Hey, weirdos, and welcome to Weird Animal Facts Explicit, a show dedicated to the weird, odd, unusual, gross, and oftentimes disturbing facts about animals. I'm Deidre, and if you are only tuning in to this episode because of the animals we'll be talking about, then you can thank Greg for that. He's a diehard weirdo fan from New Zealand, currently living in Australia, who requested some more animals from his neck of the woods. And if you, there at home, would like to learn about a specific animal in my very own kooky way of education, then reach out just like Greg did. He sent me a DM on Instagram. But let's say you're not one of those cool insta-kids and don't quite get how that all works, and if that's the case, then just look down on the show notes and pick your social media platform of choice. Oh, also, also, if you're listening on Spotify, guess what? You can now rate the show. It's easy. All you gotta do is go to the homepage of Weird Animal Facts of Spotify. You know, that's like where they have all the episodes listed. Scroll up to the top and you'll see a star. Click it, and then click five stars. I mean, that is if, um, if, that, if that's how you feel. <laughs> okay, enough of me begging for likes. Let's get to the animals. Death Adder and Hawk Moth. Whoa, I'm confused. One animal doesn't sound like an animal at all, and the other sounds like two? What the hell are we talking about today? Snakes and moths. A death adder is a lazy, chunky snake from Australia, and a hawk moth is a giant-ass moth. It's giant, so then it it wants to kill me, because everything in Australia wants you dead. No, because because if that was the case, then no one would be living there. (laughs) Well, I don't know anyone who lives in Australia. Well, Greg, Greg lives there. Remember Greg, who requested this show? As does the death adder and the hawk moth. Well, at least I think Greg still lives there. I mean, hopefully nothing has murdered him since he last messaged me. Death Adder. It's a snake. A deadly snake. Because it's venomous. Now, if you say poisonous, I suppose I I can forgive you, but there is a difference. And it's how the toxin gets into your body. Technically speaking, poison you have to bite, and venom it bites you. So, if you bit a death adder, you wouldn't die. Well, I mean, well, at least you wouldn't die from biting it as you biting the death adder, it it would piss that death adder off, so then it would bite you, injecting you with venom, so maybe biting it would kill you, but it wouldn't kill you because of the poison, it would kill you from the venom because you bit it, and when you bite things, they get mad. Disclaimer! Do not bite live animals. Especially if they've got fast-acting murder teeth. End of disclaimer. For those of you poor and fortunate souls who have to live their life as though a deadly snake isn't just lurking outside your bedroom door, (laughs) you may be wondering, how do I tell a death adder from any other snake that could kill me? Yeah, I don't want to step on that fast-striking snake and die because I can't watch where I'm going. Well, well, first, you, you should always watch where you're going. You don't want to be that person who walks into the cute little pool at the mall because you were too busy swiping for a Tinder date. For those familiar with snakes of the United States, the death adder looks very similar to our vipers here, such as the rattlesnake. has a triangle-shaped head and a short, stout body. Their colors are even similar, and I'd say their cryptic colorization is even better than our U.S. rattlesnakes. But 
a Death Adder is not a viper. They just happen to look like a North American rattlesnake, just without a rattle. Wait, it's called a Death Adder. And there's a Puff Adder in Africa that I know is a viper. And since this is called a Death Adder, doesn't that make it a viper too? You would think, right? <laughs> but it's true what those flat earthers say. Scientists just want to fuck with us. Hi there, Deidre here. As a person with a bachelor's in science, and as a person with this bachelor's of science who has worked and studied animals, natural history, and behavior for over a decade, I can confidently say that as me myself, being a scientist, no, scientists don't want to fuck with you. Nope, they want to save you and this planet. This coming from someone with a degree in BS. She's a witch, better. So then why is this snake, that's not really an adder, nor a viper, called a death adder? It's not an adder! It's a subtractor of life. Not if you love it, that is. From a distance. It's simple, it's because, well, the death adder looks like an adder. Fun fact! Puff adders and rattlesnakes are both vipers because of the venom that they have. And that venom has more hemotoxin and necrotoxin which works to damage the circulatory system and muscle tissue. Meaning, it's the type of venom that separates vipers from our Australian death adder. Death adders are in a different family from vipers. Kingdom phylum class. Order. Family genus species. Vipers are in the family of viperdia, while our death adder is in the family of elapids. Fun fact! Other members of the Elapids family include King Cobra, Eastern Brown Snake, Tiger Snake, Black Mamba, and the North American Eastern Coral Snake. Coral Snake. Coral Snake is what I'm trying to say. Red touches yellow, kills a fellow. Red touches black, venom black. The type of venom that the Elapidid family produces is neurotoxin. So instead of destroying cells of the blood system, neurotoxin affects the nervous system. Fun fact, alcohol is also a neurotoxin because it affects your nerve cells. Don't drink and drive, kids. So basically, scientists named it the death adder because it looks like the adder they are familiar with. That's all. Kind of like how when I wear baggy beige clothing and no bra, people call me a boy. <laughs> I'm not a boy. I'm not. I just happen to have the chest and bone structure of one. I'm a woman. Hear me roar. <laughs> Just like how I can dress less feminine at times to resemble a male, both the Death Adder and Rattlesnake have many physical similarities. Vertical pupils, chunky body, triangle-shaped head, and both have beautiful, colorful markings to help them blend in. But where, say, the Diamondback Rattlesnake has diamond shapes on its back, most Death Adder patterns appear to have rigid stripes that go around his body. Fun fact! There are at least eight Death Adder species in the world, and they say at least, as there could be more. But it gets kind of hard to tell some of the species apart, since their markings and patterns are all very similar. In fact, some snake species are only differentiated by the number of scales they have on the top of their head. <laughs> I mean, I love snakes, but I never want to be close enough to a venomous snake where I can count the tiny scales on their head. Even if I was wearing my glasses, that's still too close! It's venomous, it could murder me. Luckily for us in America, 
90% of our venomous snakes let us know that they'll fuck us up by following the advice of Casey and the Sunshine Bands and shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake their booty. Yeah. Shake their booty. Rattlesnakes. They come with maracas on their ass. In the dancing defense of the Death Adder, they too shake their booty. Just not to make noise. Where the rattlesnake does it to tell others to back the fuck up, the Death Adder, like Cardi B, shakes their tail to entice others in. Imagine, you're a hungry little bird. And I say little bird, so we're not talking about those big bird of preys. Or maybe you identify more as a small mammal or a lizard or frog. I mean, take your pick, because it doesn't really matter because you're about to die real soon. You're walking along the forest or woodland floor of coastal Australia, searching for a tasty worm to eat. But then, what's this? A tiny wiggly worm that's just perfectly peering out from beneath a somewhat non-conspicuous pile of leaves. You must go get that wiggly worm and put it into your belly. But guess what? Now you're dead. Ah. Because underneath that pile of leaves, attached to that so-called wiggly worm you were about to eat was a death adder. Death adder, they add death to your life. For that tiny Australian critter, all this happened before they can even process it. The same way you didn't see it coming, nor could process that guy you met on Tinder two weeks ago telling you that he wants you to meet his mother. I want you to do something for me. I want you to stop whatever you're doing and just wait until you blink. Because in that one blink, a death adder can strike twice. That's how fucking fast they are. And the striking behavior all starts just like all relationships with coddling. Coddle. To treat with extreme or excessive care or kindness. No, 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 no. Not that coddle. It's coddle with a C-A-U-A-D-L. Not C-O-D-D-L-E. C-A-U-D-A-L. Coddle. Of relating to or being a tail. It's a tail! The coddle is a tail. So I guess you could say that the death adder is coddling its victims into death via their coddle. Oh yes, the death double coddle. And the way the death adder wiggles its tail is kind of creepy and weird. I mean, it's like a worm. Like, it, it looks like it's a worm, but it looks like it has its mind of its own. Ooh, imagine if humans had an appendage that can move the flexibility of the death adder's tail. Well, like if it was our fingers, if our fingers could wiggle croupily like that, not, not any other part of the male physique, for example. Anyways, why luring in your food? Most of the time when we think of snakes, we think of them racing across the substrate of the floor's floor and attacking! Well, honestly, just like you, animals are lazy. But just because someone is lazy doesn't mean that they're dumb. Instead of evolving to have the elite muscles to race down their food, they just sit and wait. That's called an ambush predator or a passive hunter. But where the death adder lacks in endurance, it makes up for in its sprint. Like we learned, they're super fast, just in very short bursts. And that neurotoxin venom is worse. But if you live in Australia, don't worry. As the death adder, it's, well, it's not even the most deadliest snake in the country. I mean, it barely made the top 10. Crocky, is that supposed to make me feel better? That's not an Australian accent. 
The reason why they aren't on the top of the list, like their cousins, the brown snake and the tapins, tapans, taipans, taipans, I think it's taipans, T-A-I-P-A-N-S, is because it's said that even though they can be unknowingly hidden in the leaf litter near your next step, they are reluctant to bite unless touched. But I wouldn't test this theory. I mean, that is if you value your life, don't do it, don't touch it. The safest thing you can do when you see any snake or wildlife is to leave it the fuck alone. Just like Americans have a right to shoot you if you trespass, I'd say wildlife has a right to defend itself if you choose to fuck with it. Respect wildlife, man! And this includes native species, such as not introducing invasive species. Yeah, don't introduce invasive species. Invasive species. Non-native to the ecosystem under consideration and whose introduction causes or is likely to cause economic or environmental harm. Cane toads. They aren't from Australia. Not natively, at least, like they live there now. You see, back in the 1930s, some douchebag decided that it was a good idea to bring that giant toxic toad from its native Hawaii all the way over to Queensland. Why? <laughs> Money, of course! The sugarcane was getting eaten and destroyed by beetles. So this douchebag thought, what eats beetles? Toads! They've got toads in Hawaii that eat beetles, so to protect their province of sugarcane in Australia, well, they thought, let's just bring these big-ass ugly boys here. <laughs> but guess what? It didn't work. Because these hungry motherfuckers ate everything but the beetles. Wah, wah. Now, from those 100 individuals, there are over 200 million cane toads that are fucking up Australia's wonderful, unique ecosystem. So why am I talking about this invasive toad when we've been talking about this amazingly tough, venomous killer that is the Death Adder? I mean, it's a venomous snake. It's tough. It can just eat those cane toads to extinction, right? Right? Right. It can do that, right? Oh my god, what's happening to the Death Adders? Bad news, folks. Ever since the introduction of the cane toad, not only are native Australian species like crocodiles, reptiles, amphibians, and birds being negatively affected, so is the Death Adder. It's just a murderous snake. Who cares? The people of Australia do. Here's the funny thing about the world. Everything affects something else. It's called an ecosystem, where plants, animals, and all living organisms work together to create and maintain life. Think of it like you're streaming your favorite movie on Netflix, when all of a sudden, the audio is off. You start to hear words a few moments before the lips of the character starts to move. Now this is annoying. Now imagine if uh, it just keeps getting worse from there. The color is now off. Now they're speaking Spanish, but for the wrong movie. The subtitles come on, but, but they're in Russian? Normally when watching Spider-Man, Spider-Man is red, now he's green, and now the saturation is getting lower, but the contrast is getting brighter. The shadows appear like something out of the ring, now it's too dark to see anything, so you reach for your remote to try and fix it, but now you hear the YouTube video you're watching about how to floss on the screen, so you look like it's like, you don't know what's going on. It looks like the screen is turning to a sun. Oh my gosh, before you know it, you hear that old dial-up sound from the 90s. Did you just find a wormhole and travel through time and space? Before finally everything goes black and silence.
This is what the cane tone is doing to the ecosystem of Australia. And for the death adder and many other native species, they can't cope. Just like you frustratingly yelling at your TV to work in a helpless, desperate attempt to do anything, the native wildlife can understand your suffering. But in a more literal life and death kind of way, because they can't just call up the internet company nor a priest to vanquish this demon. They've tried all that. For the Death Adder, who is an important member of the food chain of the once perfectly working ecosystem of Australia, they are dying off. You'd think their venom would save them and they could just eat the toads. I mean, they have big enough mouths, plus Death Adders are known for eating giant-ass ugly things. But the cane toad is toxic. And studies have found that half of the Death Adders who eat cane toads die. Not only that, but these stupid cane toads are actually more attracted to the death adder's coddling, the little lure, you know what we're talking about, than many of the other native frogs. So that means there's a higher chance for a death adder to eat a toxic cane toad than a non-toxic native critter. Uh, but what about their venom? It is true that a venomous strike from a death adder to a cane toad is fatal. Like, that frog will die. The main reason why this is so dangerous to the death adder is because even if they happen to kill that cane toad and they survive, that's only one less cane toad in Australia. And cane toads have lots, and I mean fucking lots of babies. Up to 30,000 eggs twice a year. So the rate of death adders, who, as a snake, maybe eats once a week, to the rate of numbers of new cane toad tadpoles that are in the world is ridiculously outnumbered. It's not the venomous snakes we should fear, it's the invasive cane toads. Australians have been living in harmony with death adders and the dozen other deadly animals and snakes that call this country home for centuries. And none has done as much damage as this ugly ass toad. You'd think something from Hawaii would be prettier. What is pretty is what scientists are creating with their venom. Medicine. Death adder venom is being used to help patients who suffer from cancer or strokes. Other snake venom has helped us to develop other drugs, such as enalepri, which treats high blood pressure, epitophan, I can't say these words, <laughs> triophopan. Anyways, these are used to treat blood clots or heart attacks. So, you see, even though venomous snakes can be scary, especially if you come across one in the wild, they are very important to not just the ecosystem they're a part of, but also in keeping us humans alive. And try to stay alive for this next part. Scientific names are hard. If you thought I had a hard time saying those medicines, then get ready for this. My roommate Emily gives me scientific names of animals we talk about, which I do not read it out loud until now. If a bite from a venomous animal doesn't kill me, then attempting to read these Latin names will. And of the eight species of death adders, we are going to read three. We'll start with the common death adder. Acanthophis anta... Mm. Oh, my head already hurts. Acantho... Acanthophis antractorticus? Okay, next is the desert death adder. Acanthro... This, Acanthrophis pyrus. Pyrus. Great. Then we have, finally, we have the smooth scaled death adder. Acanthropis. Acanthrophis. Acanthrophis. Fice? 
Leavis. Leavis. It's the transition song from going to one topic to the next. It's the transition song so that we have no awkward silence. Hawk moth. Is it a hawk? Is it a moth? What is it? It's a moth. A moth? Really? We're talking about a moth? We just talked about the badass Death Eater. Now we're talking about an insignificant moth? Insignificant? You shut your goddamn mouth. Moths are the goth butterflies of this world, and you should love them. And you should love them as much, and if not more, than butterflies. Especially the hawk moth. Aren't moths just nighttime butterflies? No! Well, I mean, I guess it depends on who you talk to, as some people will say that moths and butterflies are pretty much the same thing. <laughs> However, if you look closely, you'll see that, yes, there is a difference. They are not the same thing. Fun fact! Moths and butterflies are both in the same order of Lepidoptera, Kingdom Phylum Class, Order, Family Genus Species. So think of the moth to the butterfly relationship, and we're talking taxonomy speaking. So think of the butterfly to the moth like us humans to gorillas. Just like how moths and butterflies share the same order, so do we with primates because, well, we're primates. That's right, you are an animal, and that's something to be excited about. The reason why we diurnal humans have always been so fond of butterflies is because most butterflies are diurnal while most moths are nocturnal. I mean, think about other nocturnal animals. Opossums, bats, rats, cockroaches, coyotes, owls. These so-called demons of the night are not demons at all. They are just misunderstood because we humans are attracted to the light, which according to that meme, so are moths. My point is, because we humans have always been daytime critters and can see better with some light in the air, that's what we've been studying the most. Therefore, we have more information on that. And as we know, the more you learn and understand something, the less scary it is. Yeah, but are moths scary? I mean, there's Mothman in Virginia, and those moths that flutter out of that old wardrobe in the attic and scare the shit out of you. <laughs> so yes, moths can be scary, but also beautiful, such as the hawk moth. Fun fact, there are over 160,000 species of moths in the world. And from the moth we are focusing on today, the hawk moth, there are around 850 hawk moths of the world. But since we are sticking to the Australian theme, let's get nitty gritty as there are 65 hawk moth species in Australia. Before we get into the details of just what a hawk moth is, let's first learn what a moth is and why it's not a butterfly. Time to learn! The main difference is that moths are stockier, and it isn't just that furry body that's to blame. Moths just tend to be a bit wider than the ideal Hollywood body of the butterfly. Speaking of fluffy, their antenna can also appear to have what looks to be hair on it, while the butterfly is thin and freshly waxed looking. But let's say you're terrified of flying things and don't want to get too close. Well, you still can tell the difference between a moth and a butterfly by their wings. When perched, a butterfly will generally hold their wings together like your hands praying at church, while a moth will sit with wings open like the arms of Christ. 
But if that critter is flying, butterflies can actually flap their two sets of wings independently of one another. Oh yeah, butterflies have four wings, by the way, not two. They have a forewing and a hindwing on either side. While moths, instead of having those independent flapping wings, their wings flap together. And the reason why moths are able to flap their wings together is because of something called a frenulum. Fun fact, if you Google frenulum, the first results read, frenulum. The frenulum is where your foreskin meets the underside of your penis. Unfortunately, the frenulum of the moth is not attached to their penis, but does function similarly as to connect. The frenulum connects the forewing to the hindwing, and that's why the moth's wings flap together. But really, it kind of looks like the moth only has one set of wings. Another difference is that a moth actually makes a cocoon. Butterflies don't do this. It's called a chrysalis. But of course, you would know this already if you have listened to the episode 15 about butterflies. So now, since we can tell the difference between a butterfly and a moth, let's dive deep into the hawk moth. What is it? And why is it such a big deal? Imagine a moth, but one that can have a wingspan as long as your cell phone is tall. That's right. Hawk moth's wingspan can range anywhere from 40 to 190 millimeters. And for you Americans, I'm sorry for not giving you the American measurements. But since this is an episode of Australian animals, I thought it was only polite to use the measurements that they use in Australia, as well as the rest of the world. Metric, baby! Hawk moths are huge, but not the largest moth species in the world. That title belongs to the Hercules moth, who is in a different family from our hawk moths of today. Fun fact, the Hercules moth is also from Australia and can have a wingspan of 27 centimeters. That's 10 inches in case your American brain can't do the math. You may be wondering, why aren't we talking about the largest species of moth if it's found in Australia and this is an Australian episode? Well, it's because of the one thing that hawk moths are known for. Pollination. Um. Lots of things pollinate, including moths. True, but the various species of hawk moths have some amazing adaptations that help them to stand alone or hover alone. Let's start at the beginning of life. An egg. Once hatched, then they are a larvae. But as a caterpillar, they are unique because they have horns and are oftentimes referred to as horn worms. But they aren't worms. No, they're not a worm. It's a caterpillar and their horns can vary significantly depending on the species, as can their overall look. The pellucid hawk moth caterpillar is a lime green with a soft, flexible horn as a tail. Why? Well, we aren't exactly sure, but the thought is that that horn is a tail as to one, make it look bigger when rearing up to a predator, and two, since the horn is on its ass, it's probably better to get bit in the ass versus the face, and that little horn is going to make you go for the ass because you think it's the face, when it's not the face at all. The double-headed hawk moth caterpillar is a similar green as the pelucent, with lemon yellow stripes across the side and is covered in what looks to be spikes, and has an orange head that looks like an ass, while its real bud appears to have eyes. But aren't eyes, they're just dots on either side that makes it look like eyes, so also making its butt look like its face. The vine hawk moth caterpillar can come in a variety of colors, from lime green, brown, to red, and yes, it too has a horn for a tail. 
As for the head, it appears to have large, very cartoon-like eyes that are actually just its pattern. That way, it looks like a snake! But not a very big snake, but still a snake. <laughs> That's looking directly into your soul! Once these beautiful, swell caterpillars emerge from their cocoon, well, they're, they're no longer caterpillars at that point, and now they're moths! And, and moth is such a boring word if you really think about it, especially compared to butterflies. Ooh, butterflies. Did you know that there are nearly ten times as many moth species in the world than there are butterflies? Not only that, but in the great debate of which came first, the moth or the butterfly, it's the moth who is said to have been around for the last 190 million years, while butterflies are rather recent, 60 million years. So if you ask me, moths have way more going for them. Okay, sure, I'll accept that moths are older, but just like old people, they are boring and drab. Butterflies are lit. Have you seen their colors? Have you seen moths' colors? Remember the pellucid moth caterpillar we talked about with the lime green and horn on its ass? Well, when that dude metamorphosizes into its final Pokemon evolution stage, it looks so cool. And it has color. Imagine the fat finger of Shrek, only with a short layer of hair on it that's the same lime green color as Shrek's skin or as that caterpillar it once was. In the middle of its abdomen, there's a dark maroon stripe that's still hair-like, and below that stripe, near the cute mothy booty, it's more of a yellow-greenish color. But that amazing design of the pellucid hawk moth doesn't stop there, as they have invisible wings. Whoa! Okay, so it's not really invisible as the outline and the veins are all lined with black. But the wings itself are clear, giving the pellucid hawk moth the nickname of glass-winged butterfly. And these glass wings are amazing. But why have glass wings? All right, well, you remember Harry Potter, right? In the first book, he gets this really cool cloak that he just drapes over his body and poof, he's gone. Well, the see-through wings of this pellicit hawk moth are transparent so that as they fly and flap their wings, they are 50% less reflective than other moths with non-see-through wings, meaning they are less likely to be seen compared to the other flying critters of the same size, meaning there's a less likely chance of getting eaten. Isn't nature cool? Fun fact, the pellicid hawk moth is a diurnal species. Like, duh, I mean, why else would they develop clear wings to keep down their shine if there wasn't any light around to keep from reflecting? They're diurnal. Earlier, I did say that hawk moths are best known for their pollination. And yes, I know a lot of animals are known for being pollinators. Butterflies, bats, bees, birds, beetles, a lot of the letter bees I'm just now realizing. But moths are also great pollinators. The reason why hawk moths are so well known for pollinating is because, well actually thinking about it, they aren't really known for pollinating because they don't really pollinate anything that we humans really consider that important. Think about some other animals. Birds help pollinate bananas. Wasps help pollinate mangoes, figs, and macadamia nuts. Bats pollinate agave, which gives us tequila. Honeybees pollinate almonds, apples, kiwi, pear, and raspberries. Bumblebees give us tomatoes, blackberries, pumpkins, cherries, and other bees pollinate a shit ton of other edible food for us. But what about moths? The truth is, moths aren't really seen as desirable because they don't pollinate much of the food that we eat. 
at least not the way that bees do. Fun fact, there are some moth species that do pollinate, and they pollinate the papaya. So if you like papaya, bang them off. The majority of moths actually pollinate flowers, but they pollinate very specific flowers that other pollinators can't get to, especially when we're talking about the hawk moth, proboscis, any various elongated or extensible tubular processes of the oral region of an invertebrate. We've talked about proboscis a few times on this podcast, but the hawk moth's proboscis, or their tongue, if you will, is extra long. Think of those flowers that are longer and with their nectar that's tucked deep inside, like an orchid or a petunia, for example. In order for a pollinator to get that tasty juice inside, they're going to need a longer proboscis. And the only animals with such a proboscis is the hawk moth. In fact, some hawk moths' proboscis can be almost twice the size of their whole entire body. And they're already pretty dang long if you really think about it. So their tongue, their proboscis, is even longer. And because of that long tongue having to reach all the way into that deep flower, that hawk moth is going to have to stick around a bit longer just so that their proboscis can reach that tasty, tasty juice inside. So instead of landing, since there probably isn't anywhere to land on anyways, they hover. And that's one of the cool facts about hawk moths. They hover, just like a hummingbird. In fact, they're actually mistaken for hummingbirds all the time because of this hovering feature that the hawk moth does. For those of you who are only out for number one, you may be wondering why you should even care about a moth when they only pollinate flowers. I don't even like pretty things. I only want what is directly affecting me, like my bath tequila. You see, the thing about moths is that they aren't just moths. They are a part of something bigger. I knew it! Moths are trying to take over the world! No, they're, they're part of the ecosystem. Just like you, or the death adder, or bees, butterflies, reptiles, mammals, birds, fish, and yes, all plants. Let me break this down for you. If we lost all of the moths, you may be thinking that we would just lose some flowers that they pollinated, maybe the papaya. But without the over 160,000 of species of moths in the world, many animals would lose their food source, like bats, for instance. So there goes your tequila. Not only that, but many invertebrate species that the majority of plants rely on to help keep them healthy and even pollinate Well, those invertebrates will lay their eggs on these plants that the moths keep alive. And some will even lay their eggs underneath the leaf litter. So then there goes virtually every plant that you love and need to keep you and our society alive. So you see, even though when you just see a single moth, that one moth represents so much more. Moths, you could say, are what is holding this fragile world together. Plus, they give us pretty shit, and when I'm having a bad day, I feel better after seeing something pretty. So, they also help with mental health. Yay for moths! And yay for the big fluffy hawk moth. Scientific names are hard. Here are the three hawk moths that we talked about today. The vine snake hawk moth. Hippotetian. Hippotetian celio. Hippotetian celio. Next is the double-headed hawk moth. Ciocosa triangularis. 
Kyokus looks like quinoa almost. Kyokusa triangularis. And then finally, the pectex. Just you know, I had to Google how to say this every time because I kept forgetting how to pronounce it. So let me let me say it correctly. Pellucid. The pellucid hawk moth. Cephonodus hylas. For those of you not from Australia, I hope you now see that Australia is more than just a home for the hunky Chris Hemsworth, more than animals you think just want to murder you, and more than just a giant island in the southern hemisphere. Like every place in this entire world, Australia is its own amazingly weird ecosystem where the animals, plants, and people have learned to live in harmony with one another. From the large, beautiful moths with their very important job to the venom of what was once seen as an aimless killer, every plant and animal has an important role to play, including you. So now it's time to ask yourself, what role do you want to play in this ecosystem of life? Let me know in the comments of this episode's Instagram post at WAF Podcast. And even though we have a life-saving job to play, we can still manage to stay a little weird. Bye!